0: Welcome back to the troop leader experience podcast. I'm back with another interview in our history mini series that we've been doing. And um, let's just go ahead and dive right in. Dear guest, can you please introduce yourself? Tell us where you're from and what council you're most closely affiliated with and how you would describe your current role and involvement in Girl Scouts.
1: Sure. My name is Karen Tushik and I live in Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, and I am currently a lifetime Girl Scout. And um, um, my current position is I am a troop or uh, an adult volunteer that's not affiliated with a troop. Um, My daughter is 21 years old, who's also a lifetime Girl Scout. So I was her troop leader Um, Until she turned 18 and graduated and then I decided to go back and be able to be available as an adult volunteer to, um, you know, I was a day camp director. Um, Right now I'm um, affiliated with the Fox Firehouse um, team. Um, I volunteer there or I can help at camp because I'm camp trained so I just kind of take the call uh, if I, you know, if a troop leader needs some assistance. And um, my current council is the Girl Scouts, is Girl Scouts in the Heart of Pennsylvania. But I've been in Scouts so long that my previous council was the Penn Laurel Girl Scout Council, which became part of um, Girl Scouts in the Heart of Pennsylvania when they merged in the early 90s, 1990s, I think, or early 2000s. I can't quite remember when.
0: I think it must be in the 2000s because for those who have been listening to this podcast for a long time, you might remember that I actually grew up in Gettysburg or just outside of Gettysburg. So um, I actually grew up in the Penn Laurel Council, and I don't think it changed names while I was still involved. So I'm pretty sure it was not in the 90s, but I could be wrong because you know what? Our memory is kind of funny that way. So let's start with the Fox Firehouse, because you mentioned that, but a lot of people listening might not know what that is. So can you share a little bit about what is that and what do you do involved with that?
1: Yes. Yeah, so uh, some people might know that uh, Gettysburg, one of the famous reasons that Gettysburg is on the map is because of the battle, the Civil War Battle of Gettysburg, and at least three, four times a year now, we, our little town is inundated with reenactors, Civil War reenactors, who come to town and um, dress in Civil War period garb and participate in various history, living history um, and educational type events and what the fox House is is that when the council was penn laurel um uh, at our resident camp uh camp furnace hills they uh, the council purchased a tenant house which was um one camp property and was kind of abandoned so they purchased it because it looked like it might have historical value and sure enough the Council then undertook a 20-plus year historical dating and history project where um, work parties of both um, male and female scouts came and actually did archaeological digs and really retraced the history of the house. So from what those initial volunteers started in 1974, the house was found to be built around the time of the late 1700s, so like 1799 um, into somewhere between past the Revolutionary War and before 1810. Um, it was a tenant house. It was owned by Robert Coleman, who's a famous uh, Pennsylvania early millionaire who made his money in the iron ore trade and, and um, works that sprung out of lancaster county the cornwall furnace furnace hills um the iron ore fur- furnaces in pennsylvania were contributed to um the revolutionary war effort because men- one of their main products in the iron ore making was weapons um cannon uh long pennsylvania long rifles etc so what we do um now the house is restored to bet now now we're in maintenance mode i would say but um the house is restored and we used to have we used to be able to have sleepovers in the house which we can't now do to fire codes but there is a program center built adjacent to it so we offer programming um to all levels of scouts daisies through ambassadors And it's developmentally appropriate programming. So like the daisies, um, the daisy programming might be working in the garden and doing one of the daisy petals about um, gardening and bees and insects and pollinators and, um, you know, uh, learning how to grow, you know, the basic learning how to grow food versus the one I just spent the morning there this past Saturday with a cadet ambassador cadet senior ambassador group and we actually started and did a whole morning of cooking in the 10 plate stove and the squirrel tail oven. So we made um chicken corn soup and then baked soft pretzels and uh sugar cookies and oh cider apple cider cake. That was I couldn't remember because I was doing the cooking the soup cooking. So um it was A rotation and then it took all morning because we were basically teaching them how to cook under one of those um old methods and the squirrel tail oven is kind of like um uh, the modern equivalent of what you would see like a an italian pizza oven but you have to fire you have to you have to fill it with wood all the way to the back and let it heat up let the bricks heat up for almost two hours and then you remove the fire and um, load the oven, and then it bakes um, with the stored heat of the bricks for like an hour. So we had a lot of, it's a lot of um, teaching about the conditions and understanding the hardships of the day and the time period, because, you know, if your food got burnt, you just kind of scraped off the burn part and ate it anyway, because you just spent all morning baking that loaf of bread um, under those conditions. So we, um, there's a, team of Fox Firehouse volunteers. We meet twice a year to plan the events. And then um, we kind of meet, when we come to those meetings, we spend time with our calendars and say, well, let's, you know, we're gonna offer this, this, this and this events and um, who can can come and help facilitate. And we have a fantastic group of adult volunteers and some um, older girl volunteers who can give tours and, like I said, help in the garden. we have a we're trying to revive our historical garden um kitchen garden that's in front of the house. And I say revive because if anybody gardens, it's 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 a really <laughs> it's a yearly struggle to try to keep weeds and and things out of the garden <laughs> and actually get what you want to grow to grow. Um, so we spend a lot of time weeding um and and um you know, repairing damage from to plants from bugs and that kind of thing. But um, usually the troops come for the day or they camp there for the weekend. And then they ask for, um, you know, a half day or a two hour program. And um, we did Lizzie at Fox Firehouse uh, uh, yesterday or Saturday afternoon for the brownies. And we talked a lot about the dress of the period, um you know what the girl, what a eight eight or nine year old girl on a Pennsylvania Dutch tenant house farm would would look, would be wearing, um, what kind of toys she would play with, um, what kind of games they would play if they had time to play games, and then what their um, oh they would and we rolled soft pretzels that's what, they, with play doh not that they could eat them but you know practice rolling dough and how you would be helping your mother with chores. So I really like it. It's I, I find it. Um. I I started there as a tour guide, as a senior in the late 80s. And um, I just I had a really strong interest in that time period in that history, because as I got into genealogy of my own family with my father, I found out that I probably arrived in central Pennsylvania around that area in Lancaster about the same time as the first tenant to that house did. So um there was a lot of connection there with some of the genealogy research we were doing in our own family.
0: When you say when you were a senior, were you a senior in high school or a senior girl scout? I mean a senior girl scout. Yeah. <laughs> a, yeah. A
1: senior I was a senior Girl Scout but a senior in high school.
0: So, so you were a Girl Scout growing up. What's one of your favorite memories from your growing up in Girl Scouts?
1: Um, Honestly, I think looking back and I think this is kind of funny now, but I think some of my favorite memories was of camping. And that's why I think it's funny. The more primitive the camping experience, the more I liked it, which now I'm like, I need a mattress and, you know, like I want to be in a camp building. I don't want to be, <laughs> I love to go to camp, but I want to be inside a building with a door and and walls and not a tent. But I do think some of my favorite experiences in Girl Scouts was that camping and going to, to camp, resident camp, or even traveling. Because I did um, what now is called Destinations, but I did a wider op in 1984, um, Sports Spectacular where I traveled to um, Columbus, Ohio, and did uh, that wasn't a primitive camp. That was one that was on the campus of Ohio Wesleyan University. But it was just the um, camaraderie. It was like going to camp for a week. That you could you you were assigned a a group of girls that you stayed with and you know interacted with just like your camp units, like you would do with your day camp units or your camp units and um, just kind of the rituals and routines that was so, that's so um, familiar to Girl Scouts. You know, we did flag ceremony in the morning and we sang grace at um, mealtimes. And then we always had a closing ceremony or wrap up at night. Um, And in between, you know, just being able to um, make swaps and, um, you know, interact and do things with like-minded people that we you know we all had the same kind of interest so I think like I said now it's like people say do you want to go to camp and I'm like yeah but I want to make sure I'm not in the tents (laughs) so but I do love camping
0: (laughs) I love that about camping how there's such a such a wide range of (laughs) what camping can look like and I agree with you as a kid I think I liked so much more of a primitive experience as a kid than I do as an adult. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think the hardest thing I struggle with, besides I don't want to sleep on the ground, but the hardest thing I struggle with as an adult, I think with camp is... Carrying in everything that you, yeah. Carrying out everything you carry in, okay, honestly, both directions. Carrying it in and carrying and it carrying out. it out. It's yeah. exhausting. That's like the the hardest part for me. Is I'm just like, oh no, no, thank you, never mind. What's the What's the camping scenario where I can be sleeping as close as possible to my vehicle so that right, unloading right. is easy? So yeah, but I'm with you. So. Yeah. You've been involved with Girl Scouts for a huge chunk of your life then. I mean, between growing up in Girl Scouts and then your daughter being in Girl Scouts um, and now staying involved as your daughter is an adult member as well. So overall, this is a big question. What does Girl Scouts mean to you?
1: I really, again, I think I go back to the camaraderie and the like-minded um, the values I think of, and I know that kind of sounds trite now, but uh, it's like, you, you, it was kind of predictable. Um, the, what, how we run a meeting or how we even like, there's certain things to come that we expect when you go to a meeting or even like a business meeting or even, um, Uh, Well, I've been to convention, you know, like when we have national convention, there are certain things that you expect that that's part of the whole schedule of national convention. Um, But even like, like I said, when we went to destinations or water ops, you, we had the same structure as almost like a troop meeting that, you know, we had an opening and then we broke into our skill groups and then we came back together to kind of decompress and there, there's a lot of acceptance of being yourself and that everybody's view is heard and maybe acknowledged. And, um, you know, and you're, you can participate as much or as little as you like. Um, you know, that was hard for me as a leader. Cause sometimes I felt like, Hey, I'm doing all this work to try to get this big plan going. And I'm really excited about this activity. And then you have some girls are like, well, I don't know how much I really want to do that. You know, like, <laughs> So um, I had to remind myself that that that's what Girl Scouts is, that you participate. It's up to you to, to you know, to, to take advantage of those opportunities that's being presented. And um, I think that's one of the reasons why I really pushed my daughter to stay in past middle school. And I because I tried to take a break as her leader um, when we when she was like, I think it was the end of sixth grade, like cadets. I was like, well, maybe now I can step back and, and give her the experience of interacting, you know, and under some other adults leadership activities. And finally she said to me, I want you to be the leader because I want to, you know, I I know what to expect. And I was like, okay. (laughs) So, um, And, you know, I I know there's a lot of eye rolling when we talk about cookie sales, but having been the cookie sale, um, the cookie manager for our service unit down to the cookie manager for the troop, even that there's certain rituals and routines to the cookie sale that even people that aren't in Girl Scouts look forward to, even though I have really strong feelings about why we shouldn't be selling cookies, but there's still a whole... Group of people in the community that like you say, okay, the cookie sale's coming, and they're like, "Well, you need to call me because I I got to have my thin mints for the year, you know." Like, so, um, yeah, I um, I just said to a teacher friend that, well, the winter's coming, so cookie sales are about a month away because we always, always, always in this area start selling cookies or do cookie booths when it snows, whether it's March or January it's going to snow the first opening uh, weekend of booth sales. It's like environmental, you can almost predict it.
0: (laughs) Oh man, that is something we do not have to worry about in the Phoenix area. That's what, it
1: it must (laughs) be an East coast phenomenon.
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah. um, That was something my troop always loved looking at were pictures that people would share in Facebook groups and whatnot of their troop selling cookies in the snow. And we would always look yes. at them um, with, together with our girls and show them, look at what cookie sales is like across the country, not here. It's We get a very brief window of probably about 12 weeks of really, truly beautiful weather. And six of those 12 weeks pretty much ends up being cookie season so we're very very blessed in that way um but still people people will complain about cookie season no matter where you are so right
1: <laughs> well i think the thing that made my i remember especially once they were cadets and older and we lost the cuteness factor with the cookie booth when our council started offering the bling a booth contest where they would try to win you know whoever could bling their booth the best would get extra sales credit or you know they were trying to you know, increase their marketing skills. And I, one of my girls just finally said, and I think they must've been at least nine freshmen in high school, but she's like, look, we're gonna get the first booth at Walmart, the first weekend of cookie sales, and it's gonna snow and it's gonna be windy and we could make balloon arches until the cows come home and it's gonna end up blowing all over the parking lot and nobody will see it anyway. So I was like, yeah, well, she's right, you know? <laughs> It's really hard to count change when your, you know, fingers are frozen from wearing three layers of gloves, um, you know, because you're outside and not allowed in the Annie, you know, in the interior there to, to sell uh, cookies. So there's oh always, my a, gosh. That, I mean, and that's kind of a shared Girl Scout experience too, yes. just tell us your worst cookie boost story, you know, cause yes. we all got one or yes. share us the worst cookie drop story of like, you know. How many boxes got smashed on the ground from being thrown off the truck? And you know, so we all we all have them. It's that's that's a shared experience too.
0: It is, and I think that is um, running a large scale business is going to have those stories as well. So, um, you know, Girl Scouts loves to compare. Oh, yeah. Uh, The cookie program to running a business. And I think that's (laughs) that's probably true in that, too. Yeah. So you've touched on some many traditions, but what's your favorite Girl Scout tradition? And it can be past or present or both. And why? What does it mean to you?
1: Uh, The one I would like to see come back and I say come back because I think it's being lost. It's not being passed. To the new leadership, the up and coming leadership, like it was a part of the older generation that's slowly retiring or not physically able to go to camp anymore is the idea of the shared campfire and that you taking the ashes, some of the ashes with you as you go, you know, once you have the big campfire, the closing campfire, you used to take some of the ashes from that campfire and keep it. And then um, some of the older women will pull out these vials or these, you know, old medicine bottles that have dirt in them. And they're like, well, here's my ashes from the campfire that the encampment in such and such a year or there's, you know, so we've tried to do that um, or I say we, our service unit did that a few times for day camp. Um, They've done that in our council when they've sold some of our camps and they had a closing campfire and then they divided the fire ashes once they were cold to whoever wanted to take a piece of the camp fire with them. Um, so that's one I think that's really important to, to keep, you know, to keep going. Um, I also really liked the tradition of singing grace or singing, which is really funny because I can't sing without instruments accompaniment. I was in the band, but I was an instrument player. So I wasn't a vocalist and I'm the one that can never find the right key to sing some of the graces or even the funky ones with the rhythm section. So I always want the girls to start it and then I can, you know, I can join in. Um, I also think that um, the flag ceremony, um, I really think that's a real important part too um of of girl scouting so
0: yeah those are good so obviously with your current role and the way that we met and scheduled this interview Uh, You have interest in history and introducing girls to history. And I'm assuming because of the way we met that you also have an interest in general in Girl Scout history. Mm -hmm. So what is it about Girl Scout history that's interesting to you? What made you decide to kind of explore the history side?
1: I think, um, well, one of the reasons why was just I've become the receptacle for lack of a better word, of all my leaders, my previous leaders or co-leaders that I worked with, and this is from being a girl, um, even through, you know, some of the peer-to-peer, when I was an adult leader, but when I was a girl, like a senior, I was um like a Uh, I guess it'd be considered like now a counselor in training to some of the junior troops. So I worked with some adult leaders, you know, to help them out. But all of a sudden, my mother will call me and say, so-and-so, do you remember so-and-so you worked with her troop, you know, back when she came by our house and dropped off this big bag of Girl Scout stuff. Do you want to go through it and see what's valuable in it? And I'm like, well, I don't think anything's really valuable, but Yeah, it's like I never know what I will find when I start going through those kind of drop offs, Um, you know, anywhere from like tin, the old aluminum um, mess kits to all these really good patches from, you know, events that we did or old badges or pins, um, you know, membership stars, um, pieces of uniform that people donated back and you know, like archival uniform, now archival uniform kind of pieces. Um, so I really wish there was a way that we could figure out where to put these things, because I feel like they are really important to our history as Girl Scouts. And that because we don't have the same kind of base that the Boy Scouting organization does, meaning that they're affiliated with a church or some organization that actually has a space or that can give them a space it's dependent like all this stuff is stored in people's closets or basements that have room to store it but then once that person maybe moves out of the area or passes away those books are gone that information has gone um and that was really important when we were when girl scouts in the hearts of pennsylvania started to liquidate camp assets and we were trying to find history of those camps we didn't really have a a way to save it you know we didn't have a place to put some of those things um and a lot of the records were lost too so i feel like we need to somehow get friendship with maybe a public library or i know some of the things Somehow, some of the things migrate to the Library of Congress, um, but there's a lot of um, there's a lot of good stuff that you know kind of shows the history of Girl Scouting and even how involved the First Lady was. First ladies were that was kind of the role of the First Lady of the United States that she would support the Girl Scout organization. So um, I feel like that gets lost. That's that's not really. You know, well preserved
0: of all of the things you've learned or the stories that you've heard or read or whatever about Girl Scout history, what's one of the most interesting ones to you?
1: Um, I like to go back to I would really love to go back to Juliet Lowe um when she was living and go with her to England where she met Lady Baden Pope Powell because when you research Lord Powell, Baden Powell, from the Boy Scout side, he was really not a nice guy. Like there was a lot of military history. Like the reason the Boy Scouts were founded was to be almost like a paramilitary group to the army because they knew that the you know they were based in england so they knew about the the coming discontent in europe in the 1910s i would love to know like what kind of conversation was had in the parlor um between juliet lowe and lady baden powell and just been a mouse in that in that room because i also think it was fascinating that when you look at Juliet Lowe from the viewpoint of a woman who was in a an arranged marriage, who was not happy, whose husband was cheating on her and really treating her poorly, and um, and she that it was kind of like her her therapeutic, it was her way of getting out of out of a system that was oppressing her, for lack of a better word, um, I, I and we don't really talk about that that much with the girls you know that yeah there's fun stories she was born on you know she was born on halloween um she was this rich socialite well she sold her pearls because i think basically she took on she inherited all his debts um her husband's debts when he died because he gambled them all away and um she really wasn't really taught well how to make, you know, because as a, she, her goal was to look pretty and, and just manage a household, because um, that's what women were supposed to do in 1912. So she was a real. Um, she was really pushing the boundaries of what the stereotype women was uh, a socialite was supposed to do. So I think um, and even you look back in some of the history of. um girls going camping, you know, they had to, they, they, they needed to have certain things in place so they could go camping or go out, um, even and wear like, cert, you know, go swimming in, in, you know, in certain costumes, they couldn't let, you know, they couldn't expose their ankles or whatever. So Girl Scouts were kind of pushing the limits because their bathing costumes were a little bit more risque for the times.
0: Why do you think, this is important why do you think it's important to preserve girl scout history for us as members to know about girl scout history why should girls and current volunteers care about the history of the organization
1: i think it's really important because the whole organization was built on a volunteer model like it runs on a volunteer model um that yeah there's council and council's there to support us, but when it comes to the day-to-day operations of a troop or an event or a service unit, it's really all run by volunteers. And the big reason that I think that nobody really wants to discuss about why we're, some of our councils or some of our service units are really suffering for lack of a, you know the demand for girls needing troops but the reason they can't find a troop is because there's not enough of adult volunteers is because most of the adult volunteers are women who have huge childcare or family responsibilities at home. But then they're also working now, whereas before, you know, women didn't have to work as much as they do now or the expectation wasn't there, um, especially if you were of a certain economic group. But I think that's what's really hard. It kind of, it's disheartening when you go and you hear that we need more volunteers, we need more volunteers. Well, you're you're putting the burden back on the same group of, of women who are doing, you know, they have a lot of balls in the air anyway. They're juggling a lot of responsibilities and probably working full time. And we need to look at, come up with a new way, you know, just Juliet Lowe created the scouting organization out of a very creative uh time, or you know, used her her wits and 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 created the organization when it was not appropriate for women to be doing things out of the house, you know, and and breaking those stereotypes. So I think maybe looking at new ways to structure our organization might help us meet the needs of a very diverse population of girls that really could benefit or need the support and the programming that Girl Scouts offer. Yeah.
0: What is something you would like to learn more about in Girl Scout history?
1: I'm really enjoying Anne Robertson's book about um, rescuing Rockwood because I actually went to Rockwood National Girl Scout camp right before it was closed and sold. And um, i would love to see someone take up the writing of the history of national center west because i remember that being an option for a wider op to go to wyoming i think it was intensely wyoming i'd had to go back and look but it was intensely wyoming and you went and had a ranch or um scouting experience at national at at um national center west i also think it would It'd be really good if we could somehow figure out especially with access to the internet now and Facebook groups to try to chronolog or document the history of um some of the destinations or roundups um that happened like in the 40s and 50s before that generation passes on and even the history of because this is a real I have to be really careful about when I speak up but the whole history of the gold award that used to be the first class award and how it's not, to me, we're always, we're always different than the boy scout Eagle award. And the gold award is just as hard or equal to, or, you know, it's challenging to earn as, as the Eagle award in boy scouts. So <laughs> I would like to see, Uh, a little bit more accurate history of, of the highest awards in scouting. And then I think the last one is I would really like the younger girls to understand that we're part of a world scouting organization and that, that we're kind of a member in the WAGs communities and that scouting is in, is in almost every country now. And, but those scouting ranks might look a little different Um, because I, we haven't been doing a lot of and again I'm not a troop leader anymore, but just how how we can get that how we can, how that being a sister to every Girl Scout, part of the Girl Scout law really impacts whether you're outside, you know, you can you can make a difference outside of your hometown. You can look more internationally and 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 pa- partner with other Girl Scouts, you know, in Canada or in Europe or in Africa, you know, to address a common concern.
0: What's something that you wish more people knew about Girl Scouts and Girl Scout history?
1: Probably that, I guess, as a looking at it from an adult volunteer standpoint, the structure of how a council and a service unit work, and then how national works, there was always, I always felt like I was explaining that when you pay your dues, your annual dues, that goes to national, but then we also have to have troop dues to collect or earn money to do some of the fun things that we wanna do. But then, you know, there's other opportunities and programs and activities that you can do as a certain, you know, you can join service units and and kind of how that, that web of support from the troop all the way up through council even international kind of works and how that really supports kind of programming, developmental programming across age groups and allows for more of that intergenerational opportunities, you know, where the older girls can mentor younger girls or, um, you know, because you can get girls from different parts of even Pennsylvania to um, come to a camp and, and and you know, mentor like Brownies and do the programming for Brownies and like a counselor and training kind of model.
0: What's a project or initiative that you're working on right now, or you have coming up soon, or you've recently worked on, I know you were sharing about a recent program that you did, but is there another project or initiative that you're working on right now?
1: Um, Right now, I am a member of the destination, our council's destinations committee that we're, um, And I should have written down the title. I should know this, but um, we're offering a destinations um, opportunity for older girls this summer um, through GSHPA, and we're planning a week-long event. Oh, it's Her Story, H-E-R-S-T-O-R-Y, and we're trying to cover... years from 17, the late 1700s, so 1799, all the way up to 1901, and really focus on women in history in this area of Pennsylvania, prominent women who, you know, really supported or were groundbreaking pioneers in some area of um, philanthropy or social, you know, like social work or education, because of all the historical kind of sites that that are nearby. Um, so right now we're in the middle of planning that Destinations um, event for those girls. It should be, I think it went live on the Destinations website about a month ago in terms of the registration being open. So we were looking at such women as um, Grandma Gatewood, and some of the women who hiked the Appalachian Trail because of the Appalachian Trail running through Pennsylvania. Um, We wanted to look, take a deeper dive into some of the women in Gettysburg during the battle. So Elizabeth Thorne was one lady that was mentioned as well as Mamie Eisenhower because of the Eisenhower farm in Gettysburg. And then um, obviously the women who who lived as tenant farmers at Fox Firehouse. I'm missing somebody, Catherine Hershey, cause she's a, would be our 1910 um, person. So kind of like overlaying it on kind of like the American girl doll books, if for to give a better visual, you know, the different historical time periods and but trying to find somebody related to Girl Scouts and um, how they supported moving girls and women forward in that time period
0: a really cool it's a really cool project that's going to be a really neat trip mm-hmm. if people who are listening want to learn more about girl scout history or the girl scout organization what's a good resource they should check out
1: Well, like i said um anne robertson's rescuing rockwood book that just came out um her first two chapters of just the whole history of the first lady involved in the Washington-based, the Washington DC-based troops was just fascinating to me because I didn't realize how closely Lou Henry Hoover was involved, you know, because of just proximity to being in the white, living in the White House and, and the troops meeting so close to the White House and how that was part of her first lady duties. Um, the Facebook group, the, and I forget the name of it. Um, where they're starting to catalog you know experiences and um, events. And I also like the Green Hat Society if you can find a local branch in your council because the Green Hat Society is like the Red Hat Society for older, but it's it's not open. It's not restricted to certain people of a certain age that are still Girl Scouts. It's like any Girl Scout organization that of older women who want to meet and then support their local uh, troops through, um, you know, like they're their lifetime members, and they want to just kind of volunteer with troops or service units or day camps as they can, and they're able. So then they might meet and have like coffee once a month. Um, Some chapters are more active than others.
0: Those are all great. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that you spent some time chatting with me today. It's been really fun and I appreciate you so much and everything you do for girls and women in your area.
1: Thanks. It was great to talk to you.